This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jurukowski, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a very intimate and relaxing one, talking about how does it feel to achieve one of the biggest goals you have in your life and how does it change your life so for me that was becoming a world medalist in karate i started training karate when i was six years old after watching the karate kid as many of you know my father he had a karate club which he has still to this day more than 40 years, he's dedicated his life teaching so many kids about life and karate. So in the beginning, I didn't want to train. At one point, I even threw off my karate gi and ran out naked out of class. One day I watched the karate kid and there's a specific scene where Mr. Miyagi talks to Daniel-san about either you do something in life or you don't. And this has stuck with me for 30 plus years. And Miyagi says uh, karate is like grape walking on street. Either you walk on the left side or you walk on the right side. If you walk in the middle, sooner or later you get squished just like grape. So either you do karate do yes or you do karate do no. If you do karate do, I guess so, you'll get squished like a grape. And this is something that stuck with me through my whole life. And that's why with everything I've done, I either do it or I don't. And it has created a intensity in my life. And um, yeah, I trained karate with my father We were into the traditional sorts of karate, not much competition, but at one point there was a training camp uh, for the national team and everybody could go there. It was an open camp. So I went, it was a kata camp, which is the form part. And they said, yeah, you have the potential to become a national team athlete, but you have to start competing. And that made me very curious, interested about life and mainly about karate and competing. So started competing and went pretty well because I was already a black belt and I trained very hard. My father, my sensei trained very hard. So I remember my first competition, I went to Stockholm and I won in kata and I come, I took the third place in kumite, which is fighting in the 15 year category. And it's crazy, when I got back home, I was disappointed because in the Kumite division, it was only four participants and I won, uh, but I was still disappointed because at that time I didn't know much about competing and I, I wanted it to be a lot of competitors for me to win and so forth. And I got back to our small town, Hamsta, and my My parents came with flowers and I didn't want to take them because I felt disappointed. Looking back now, um, 
I can laugh about it and realize that I was so hard on myself and I didn't know much. Now I know more about kindness. I know much more about performance and all of that. Anyways, I don't want to make a long story of this, but I started competing, did that for about 10 years or a little bit more, 12, 13 or so. And I competed for the national team, many, many competitions. And uh, there was a couple of pinnacles in my life, obviously becoming a national champion the first time, defending that as a junior, doing it again, winning as a senior and defending that the following year and also winning in team two times. So I've won a lot of competitions. I've also lost a lot of competition, especially internationally because the competition was so big and there were so many great fighters out there. But I learned a lot about myself, about my mindset, about how to train, how to take care of your mind and body, how to visualize. And also I got to meet so many great people that was on a path to achieving their goals. And one thing that is remarkable is when you meet other people that are on a path and doing everything they can to achieve their goals, it's a type of vulnerability between, you know, amongst athletes or entrepreneurs or actors or whatever it is, because we know how hard it is to put yourself out there and maybe lose, which you do all of the time. And then sometime you might win. Anyways, I was selected to compete in uh, the World Championships of Shotokan Karate. And I've actually taken a break. I went to the U.S. to study, to have some fun, to party. But I knew somehow I wasn't really done with competing. Uh, but I also knew in my mind that this would probably be the last big competition that I would ever do. So I wanted to do everything I can to perform at the best of my ability. So me and my father, we made a plan of how to train and prepare for the next three months. And then we executed on that plan. And I remember during that plan, there was two incidents that I vividly remember. One was me losing very early on in a national competition. And we can go on and I can have my excuses and this and that, but let's let's just take accountability. I lost and some of my friends were like, maybe you should stop competing and this and that. But I knew in my mind that this was just a one-off. And I think if you're listening to this and you're, you fail miserably, if you do it once, don't be so hard on yourself. If you're really good at what you do, it's just part of part of life. Anyways, I came back and there was another competition a couple of weeks prior to us going to the World Championship in Sydney, Australia. This was in Gothenburg. It was an international competition, kind of Nordic region. And I fought some really good fighters and I was very, very focused and didn't do any mistakes. And I won that competition. And I remember my father telling Refik, which is the, one of the coaches, and that I think this is going to be a good competition in Sydney. And I felt very, very strong at that time. I felt, I felt, you know, that this 
this might be something extraordinary. And, you know, I've never meddled in any, you know, really, really big international competition. So I've in nationally Scandinavian region, yes, but not something really, really big. So this was um, incredible, you know, that having that feeling. And uh, anyways, we traveled to Australia. We were preparing that week. And I remember every single training preparing, you know, adjusting to the time difference. I felt so strong and so explosive, almost on the verge that I was about to injure myself be because I was so, so explosive. And also when I was training with my partners, I was almost about to injure them because I was so sharp and so strong. And I just felt kind of on a different level uh, than I've ever felt before. I was also very nervous because I knew in my mind that this would be probably the last competition I would ever do as a fighter. I also knew for a long time that I wanted to, you know, finish at the top, so to speak. Anyways, come the day of the competition, I made up in my mind that I'm going to warm up for 45 minutes. I'm going to eat breakfast at that time and this and that. And like a perfect plan, you know, 20 years in the making. And this would be the pinnacle of my career as an athlete. So I'm sitting there. My parents were there. And my uncle, who lives about an hour away from Sydney in Wollongong, they had come and we had, I've, I don't think I've ever met him, maybe when I was a little kid. So it was very emotional. We had coffee and, you know, we were talking and things like that. And I knew I need to go and warm up soon. And then Darko, my coach, came and said, hey, Peter, they're starting now. I was like, what? Yeah, they're starting now. You have to go you have to get ready. And I was like, Whoa, shit, fuck. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. That's how I felt. And uh there's got not gonna be any warm up for me. And I got so stressed. But as a champion, you don't show any stress at all. So I walked calmly to the um dressing room and changed my clothes to the karate gi and then started warming up for like eight minutes or so before they called us to go and compete and at that moment it actually changed my life because for a second there I thought to myself like yeah I mean I didn't get to warm up so if I lose I lose I gave myself an out which a lot of us give ourselves all the time but in that moment, I said, no, this is going to be the competition where there's no regrets. I don't care about the warm-up. I don't care about who I'm going to fight. I'm going to do everything I can with no regrets, no matter what. Said and done, I started, and I could hear, you know, my father yelling from the bleachers, you know, cheering me on. I could hear, you know, my coach, uh, Darko, uh, telling me what to do, very analytical, and I just took it fight by fight, fight by fight, and um, I became a bronze medalist that day, and it's actually exactly, I think on the day or like one or two days off today, 10 years ago since that happened, and um, maybe you ask yourself, how does that feel? 
So in the moment, I was just very focused on the accomplishment. And until I got the actual medal, I, honestly, I didn't believe that it had happened. So I, I was kind of nervous because the medal ceremony was like a day or two. And my biggest fear was that they were going to say, hey, no, it's not your medal. And it, it, it sounds ridiculous. But once it was around my my neck and I saw it, I felt it, I kind of got relaxed, you know. I also managed to, there was a grandmaster class for all the medalists where you fought with no gloves and I did an incredible kick, it's called Oshirogeri, which is kind of like a horse back kick and I timed it perfectly and everybody was watching that because this was the best of the best competing without gloves. So at the ceremony that night when there was, you know, a party, everybody remembered me and remembered the kick, which was, which felt so cool that on a world championship level in Shotokan Karate, I was remembered probably for the best technique. And if you go to my Instagram or social media, you can see that kick. Uh, that just felt amazing. And the next couple of days, we were celebrating and, you know, just had a lot of fun. We were went to Bondi Beach, we were traveling Australia, and I was just felt on the top of my game, and I was so happy. And um, I think looking back at it now, I think mostly it was the pinnacle of my career because... I got a proof of concept because I was a bully. I was a small kid. I was a chubby kid, but I got a proof of concept on my own ability to do something really, really hard. When you put your time, your mind, your body, and your energy into it for a very, very long time. And for me, it was 20 years in the making. And at one point in time, luck, opportunity, and timing all interjected and worked in my favor. You also have to understand, and I'm sorry to be blunt, but a lot of the things that you want in life, they will take a long time, and once you get them, it's not going to be life-changing. For me, actually, three weeks after becoming a world medalist, I got fired from my job. So I was at the top of my game, and then I had no job, which I'll tell you more, and if you listen to my podcast, you'll learn more that it actually helped me propel into writing books, coaching, and just moving further. But at that moment, that kind of sucked. Uh, but everything you accomplish, it it most likely not going to be life-changing, and it will be gone very quickly. Although I think the most important thing is when you get proof of concept that you can do it, it creates a belief in yourself that you can do it again and again in a different field or in a different way. That's why I would like to encourage you to start seeing it happen for you long before you actually do it. Because we know if the mind believes it, you can accomplish it. And if it doesn't, you most likely can't. So if you have a dream, start seeing it happening and give yourself time and patience taking that little step every single day. And finally, it's so important to have good people around you. So none of this would be possible without so many amazing people in my life, like my sensei and father, my coaches, Refik and Darko, my wife, my friends, family, 
and many, many others that helped me along the way. So I'm grateful. Thank you all. If you have people around you helping you, be grateful for them and know you need them in your life. So how does it feel to accomplish one of the biggest dreams of your life? It feels fucking amazing, but also know it will be gone quickly. But now you have the proof of concept and you can do it again. And you can relax and you can move further in your life and become a good person and help others achieve the same thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody else. This is the I Love Success podcast. And I hope to see you next week. If you want to check out uh, myself on social media, go to at Peter Jumrukovsky. We're also on YouTube. You can find this show wherever you find shows. And if you have a question to me about your goals, your dreams, a potential guest, please reach out. I'm happy to hear from you. And let's talk next week.